You're listening to episode 83 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today we are up to episode 5 of our School Starters series. Now this series is a rebroadcast of episodes we've reproduced to give you the golden nuggets of information from our full episode. Now you can access the full episode at chataboutchildren.com and also check out the show notes as well. Now today we talk about raising resilient children and wow, our kids and ourselves have been thrown some really interesting times recently to have to navigate and of course to grow from. My guest is Michelle Mitchell and she is an award-winning speaker, best-selling parenting author and teacher and she's been termed the teenage expert by the media and is sought after for her compassionate and grounded advice. Today's chat is super practical and super valuable. Michelle really lends insight into the seven key traits of resilience and she offers strategies you can use right away. So let's get this chat started. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hey, Sonia, it is so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Now, raising resilient children is a hot topic. It really is. So tell me a little about what was going on for you that made you so passionate about the area of resilience. Well, resilience is not just a word or a hot topic to me. It's really quite personal. I know that there's been moments in my life where I've very much met resilience and had to pick it up and use it for myself. And some of those times were when I was quite young. When I see young people in the school setting, I recognise that there's so much that happens at school that either makes or breaks them. They're out of our sight and they're out of our reach as parents. So I wanted to give parents a resource that could help them help their children develop resilience in that school setting. So if we just go back to defining what resilience is, is it basically just that ability to bounce back from a challenge or an adversity? It's that capacity to thrive regardless of what the circumstances are. And research definitely tells us that our kids can thrive and can find joy and happiness regardless of whether their life's perfect or not. And we know as parents that they're going to go through all seasons in life and their capacity to handle these challenges is just so important. Absolutely. But I guess when I, like personally, I look very recently and there seems to be a lot of talk about resilience, like there's a need that we more consciously build resilience in our kids. Mm -hmm. So why is this? Why has it become such a needed topic for discussion and for explicit teaching? Okay, I'm going to quote quote Michael Cargreg here. I was speaking with him on the weekend and I I heard him say that we've wussified a generation, which I had a, a quiet giggle to. But he talks about this generation possibly being the most unresilient generation the world has ever seen. And look, when we look at statistics, they're definitely going up as far as poor mental health goes. I think because of that, we have to very deliberately respond respond to that. We've had it so good in our country for such a long time. And I think the knock-on effect of that is that possibly our children have not had to exercise some of the muscles that give them strength for challenges. No generation is, is bad, but we've all got our specific weaknesses. And I think deliberately parenting in this area is definitely something that we need to focus on. So as parents, do you think sometimes we're just doing too much for our children and we're taking away those opportunities to build resilience in the everyday? 
there's been a lot of talk about helicopter parenting, haven't there? And parents being over-involved and 100% believe that's true. But the flip side is this, okay? It's not about leaving our kids and letting go and letting them fail and they need to fail and they need to, to experience those negative emotions and they need to learn how to get back up. But they can't do that unless we're connected to them. You know, in, in replace of being connected, sometimes we overparent them, whereas we really need to be focusing on the connection and allowing our children to fail. Research tells us that a protective factor for resilience is having one caring adult in a life that holds you high to expectations and is highly connected and engaged with your life. And what we want to make sure in our very fast-paced modern life is that we're building a very strong connection with our child and not confusing that with letting go. Yeah, and you raise a really important point. We are busy, but what it comes down to is connection and the quality of time. So it's not necessarily just spending lots of time with our kids and thinking, yep, we spent three hours together. Mm -hmm. What was happening in the three hours uh, compared to, say, a really good quality 15 minutes of connection with your child? Um, And I think that's really important. And the perfect example of that is you can watch TV with a child. You can be two people in a room watching a television set or you can watch TV with the deliberate intention to connect with a child. And it's just chalk and cheese. The experiences are completely different. And I do think that we have to work hard on connection. I think because we're so connected to phones and our our lifestyles are so busy and there is a lot of material pressure around us that I think we have let go of some of those basic foundations, which are the building blocks for, uh, for resilience. Yep. Yep. And it it sounds like from what you're saying, we've got to make that effort as parents to have very clear boundaries. Yeah. Our kids need to feel claimed. They need to feel belonged to our family unit. They need to feel connected to us. And that's hard work. There's no way around it. It's hard work. Absolutely. Is there any difference in resilience when it comes to girls versus boys? Yeah, look, I haven't read any research around this and someone is welcome to send it to me. I'd love to read it. But I feel like our our boys and girls just go through slightly different experiences because of the way we tend to socialise them. I noticed with boys, and I was talking to a parent of a a young two-year-old the other day, and he was saying that he just started to realise that every time his boy started crying, he'd go over, and he was such a loving dad, but he'd go over and say, oh, come on, mate, you'll you'll be right, you know, stop crying, get on with it sort of thing. And he said, I'm just realising that I'm actually teaching my son to suck it up rather than helping him lean in and through emotion. But then with our girls, I think sometimes we, what do you call them a little bit, that we lean into their emotions so much that it takes over the whole house and it becomes the centre of attention. And so, you know, there's weaknesses in how we parent both. Remember, Boys and girls, they all have different innate personality traits and their personalities are this baseline for resilience that we're building on. And so that's, I don't think that's gender related. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a case study that comes to mind of, say, a student who grew strong in their capacity to be more resilient? Can you think of someone that that you could share with us where you kind of thought, wow, look how far they've, they've come or developed in this area? Look, heaps and heaps. And as I wrote the book, I was very active with my Facebook community too, which was lovely. And mums were writing in their stories of their kids and where they're at. But there was one little girl who was being called dumb at school and she Mm -hmm. was getting scared to go to school and she was um, getting quite anxious. 
And her mum was like, you know, like, do I need to change her schools? And how do I help her cope with this? And she's like literally waking up in the night crying. And she was mm. really unravelling and, and felt very, very intimidated by, I guess, the name calling at school. So I, I talked and worked with that family. And one of the strategies in the book is just pushing back with truth. And sometimes mm. we teach our kids to be nice and, and kind, which is so important. But sometimes strong words are important as well. And we want mm. our kids not to push back with meanness but give them permission to push back with truth so mm -hmm. things like i'm not dumb i'm a really nice person or i don't think you should be saying that do you and letting them have the body language and the moves to go with it so they're showing strength um, yep. And that's just one trait that they can, they can, or there's one strategy they can use to just exercise courage and, and have social resilience. Yeah. And that, that can be really daunting for some kids. Some kids that are just a little more on the anxious side or the timid side, that would just seem just petrifying. Mm -hmm. So it's that practice, I guess, of assertive communication or helping our kids. And your book would probably go into it more, but yeah, yeah. giving giving kids those those tools or those words so that they're like, it's okay, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying, as you That's say, right. the truth back. And getting them so, used to being strong um, and stepping into that when they need to. It's all those things. A lot of yeah. role play helps with some kids. It just it doesn't come naturally, so we have to help them exercise it. It's like a muscle. You know, the more they exercise it, the stronger it gets. Absolutely. So what would be the characteristics of a child who is fairly resilient? And that will probably tie into uh, your book, Everyday Resilience, because that goes through seven key traits. So tell us a little bit more about that. I think resilience is this elusive topic sometimes and being resilient isn't about doing one particular thing. It's about doing a whole range of things at the right time. So there's a lot of intuition with it as well. But I've talked about seven traits that I've found in children that are resilient. And resilient children, I've always found, know how and when to use these traits. So they're the traits of courage and gratitude, empathy, self-awareness, responsibility, self-care and contribution. And mm -hmm. exercising those traits in a day-to-day -day level, and that's why I've called the book Everyday Resilience, it's how our kids handle the small knocks that's really going to set them up for the big knocks in life. And every yes. time they use these little muscles, um, we're, we're getting them to a place where they're storm-proofing their life. If you're a mum or know a mum who could do with some support, this is an invitation to join the Flourish for Mums four-week self-care program. This weekly program is inspired by the best-selling book, Flourish for Mums, 21 Ways to Thrive with Self-Care and Acceptance, and is led by the fabulous author, Sonia Bestelich. She takes mums on a powerful journey to reconnect with themselves whilst building authentic relationships with fellow mums. Sound like something you want to join? Join our community from anywhere in the world. Mums, it is time for you to flourish. Sign up at flourishformums.com. So tell me what a little knock would look like in every day and what an ideal kind of response would be in terms of giving them that learning opportunity. So let's drill into the social situations. We can all remember moments at school where things didn't go our way. 
someone didn't sit with us on the bus. So let's give this example. We were so excited about our excursion. We got up early. We were early to school. We were the first in line ready to get on the bus. And we were expecting that we would get on the bus, save the front two seats for all our friends, and all our friends would follow us and sit with us. We get on the bus. We motion for our friends to call up for, to join us, but they all go down the back of the bus and follow another girl. Now, that's disappointing, okay? A small knock in life, but it can be disappointing. And sometimes that wrecks kids whole day they sit up the front of the bus and, and sulk or they why didn't my friends want to sit with me and what we want to help our kids learn to do is ask themselves what's next so not spend too long on their disappointments but have the binoculars to look ahead and go what's next how do I solve this problem you can either say stay up the front of the bus and enjoy the people around you or you can quickly get up and move and sit with your friends down the back of the bus and I think that kind of those little things like solve the problem what's next and not allowing disappointment to be a place we stay in for too long simple things like that can go a long way beautiful advice and that would be something I imagine that we could as parents if we talk out aloud mm -hmm. when we come across a problem in the daily life right. and we think it through out loud, we're allowing our kids to listen to our thinking patterns, how we process a problem and how we go, hmm, that didn't quite work. What shall I do next? I can do this or I can do this. I imagine that helps them to just listen to the, through those thought processes and they hopefully will follow suit. And we can't underestimate modelling, like this modelling and modelling the language around how we're feeling and how we're processing things. And I knew one mum, I was talking to her about this strategy and she started almost cutting her daughter off when she was going down this woe is me, disappointed trail. And she said, okay, what next? Because we can sit with our kids in emotions for so long, but we need to be able to move them into problem-solving mode. What next? Yes, Yes. And I think that's where a lot of parents get stuck, to be honest. You're stuck in that cycle of I'm upset and, and all the emotion. And then at some point the parents just going, okay, well, I'm over it. Yeah. Can we just get on with it. And then, and then you do the acknowledging their yeah. feelings. I know you're disappointed. Yeah. No, we no. need to get ready for school. And don't you find we have so much talk about acknowledging kids' feelings and, and yep. you know, all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm, I'm all for it. And my husband will just say I do it too much. But I think that's when we're kind of giving our kids a lot of entitlement to feel sorry for themselves and have emotion and sit in emotion. Uh, but we need to lead them somewhere. And that's super, super important. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I think, yeah, you're right. Through the modelling and what comes to mind for me, I don't know how practical it is, but it's almost yeah. like, okay, when the uh, timer goes off in 10 minutes, <laughs> let's stop yeah. the meltdown. That's right. And then we'll move yeah. on to the next one. And I say to mums too that get caught up with their daughters late at night, 10, 30, 11, and we're still crying about, you know, the name she was called at school. Like, is it a Band-Aid or a broken arm problem? If it's a Band-Aid size problem, put a Band-Aid on the thing and get them up, get them going and give it the attention it deserves but not longer. If it's a broken yep. arm, sure, she can have a day off school. If it's a broken arm, sure, sit with her all night. But if it's not a broken arm, give it context because how we respond to our kids' problems actually tells them how big it is or how little it is as well. 
Yes, very true. Well, we don't want to dismiss their feelings, but it's, it, it is important to give it context. Yeah, and I think you're right. There is a balance, and I, and I like that idea of just kind of going, is it a Band-Aid, is it a broken arm, to help us get the right perspective on it yeah. and to have an appropriate response to it as well. And also, like, do, do you spend time late at night or do you say, look, if, if we're going to do some worrying time together or debriefing time together, we do it between six and seven at night you know so they know that they're winding down I think it's so important that our kids end the day on the note of gratitude my husband has said to me over the course of our marriage that anxiety doesn't exist after 10 o'clock at night (laughs) (laughs) in other words don't get started at 10 o'clock over your day's issues let's just bring it on down I'll go for a walk with you he's so sweet I'll go for a walk with you at seven but don't start at 11 and I think it's it's actually important that we help our kids end the day on gratitude yeah I like that I like that and and it is it's that level of boundary setting again it's kind of like my boundary is or my limit is 10 p.m this is what I switch into um you know certainly if unless anything else major is going on but yeah Yeah. that's kind of what you switch into and that's for the band-aid stuff you know like the broken arm stuff will always break through that barrier but um, most parents that I know adore and love their kids and they're more overextending themselves rather than underextending themselves and they just need the tools to know how to connect better during those times and do those times better. Perfect. And and one thing that I wanted to ask about also, I've worked and I do work a lot with children who have learning difficulties and often they walk in the door, their self-esteem is very low, their self-image is sorely affected mm-hmm. and they're coming in with, with this belief that they have in themselves that they're not able to do things. And so very often we're working through that layer of them just having a belief that they can't. And so even before they attempt a task or an activity or anything, it's like, well, I can't read and I can't spell. Um, so we're needing to actively work through that. And some, for some parents, they tell me they get just refusal from kids that are just, they don't want to do stuff that they find really, really difficult. What, what, how would you respond to that, that kind of refusal and the I can't kind of mindset? Yeah. And, and I can't normally means, you know, like I, I, I won't. And for right now, I'm really struggling to find any kind of joy in this. Yeah. Um, Robert Brooks does an amazing job at explaining islands of competence and he's done some great research in this area. And whenever I'm working with, with families and children who've got learning disabilities and just hate schoolwork and hate school, we have to find an area that they feel competent and strong in and build these traits of resilience in that area because there's research tells us that they do transfer into other areas once they're strong in one area. So they might hate school, but they might be great at swimming or they might be a great little entrepreneur or they might be a great talker. You know, they might be great at, you know, talking to people and sales and communication. But we have to find what lights their boat. You know, Steve Bidoff has called it a spark. You can call it whatever you want, but we have to find what they'll get up in the morning and smile about doing. Now, we can't take away the fact that they have to do things that they're not good at and they don't like doing. But one of the strategies um, that I've got in the book, the little journal for tweens. So I've got a journal for eight to 12-year-olds that goes with this book to help get nice. into kids' language how to do this. But one of the strategies that I've got in there is if it's worth doing well, it's worth doing badly at first. 
And so the idea is that it is actually okay to struggle, to not enjoy something, to do something poorly to start with, if it's worth doing. So you look at a kid, is it worth learning to read, like really in the course of your life? And you have to really unpack that. Is this something worth fighting for in life or not? Um, yes. And then we've just got to baby step, step them through it. But we have to balance that with the stuff they're good at. Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, super important point, be strengths-based and strengths-focused. Um, you know, sometimes I'll hear, you know, one of my kids say, okay, I did, I did whatever it is, the maths activity. I got one wrong. And I'll <laughs> no, say, really? No, did no. you get nine right? Yeah. It's kind of, so it's, you know. Our drama llamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But perfectionism yeah, is a big deal for some kids. You know, they yeah. want to do it. They want to do it perfectly. And if they they don't. They feel like if they can't attain a certain standard, it's not worth doing at all. So it's this all or nothing mentality and this all or nothing thinking. Now life's not like that. So we have to help them lean into those emotions, help them get used to the feeling of what they would term failure, and and realize they can work with it. Fantastic. Look, your book sounds amazing and the journal is just awesome. I love that there's a practical side to it because especially at the tween age and stage, I find that there's things that sometimes they just would feel more comfortable putting in a journal format rather than chatting to mum and dad about it. Well, there's 48 really practical strategies. So I've called it a journal, but it's a bit more of a book. You know, there's a lot of content in it, but there's also room for them to reflect and work with the strategies. Nice. I love it. So what would be, Michelle, your take-home message to parents and to professionals when it comes to resilience building? What's our take-home message? I think it's all about connection. You know, in a, in a crazy weird way, I think we can start to think that letting go is the way to go, but I actually think leaning in is the way to go. And connecting with our kids is vital. We model it, we talk it, they copy it, but also without the safety and security of our a loving adult around your life, taking risks is really hard. And the only way to look after our kids' mental health is, is to lean into who they are as people. Absolutely, absolutely. And to have that acceptance of who they are as an individual is really important too and feeling feeling okay in their own skin. So I think your book sounds amazing, as do your other books. Where can listeners learn more about you and your training events and the other books you've written? Tell us where we can find all that. My website is a great starting point. So I've got lots of blogs up there and I put my events up there and I've got the resources for sale there too. And it's michellemitchell.org. Fantastic. Michelle, you have been an absolute pleasure to chat to today. And I know that listeners out there have got a lot of already some practical tips that they can start implementing, which is very exciting. Again, congrats on your, your book that's released, Everyday Resilience, Helping Kids Handle Friendship, Drama, Academic Pressure and the Self-Doubt of Growing Up. That is just brilliant. So congratulations once again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A wonderful chat there with Michelle Mitchell. Make sure you check out her website so that you can discover all the wonderful resources that she has for us as parents, carers and professionals who work with children. Now, if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review for the Chat About Children podcast. And also remember to share this episode with family, friends and with colleagues who you know will benefit. I thank you so much for your attention. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestelich, www.chataboutchildren.com.